0: Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions.
1: Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, as you stand to your feet. Jeremiah 29. I want to wish a very happy birthday to Pele? Yeah. 21, 22, 22, Okay. Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to start in verse 4, and I want you to see what's taking place here. Children of Israel have been sent into bondage because of their decisions. Have you ever been in trouble because of the choices you've made? Have you ever blamed God for where you're at because of what you've chosen to do? Say it again, pastor. There, There are times we end up Paying the consequences for our own choices. But then we get mad at God for ending up there. And it wasn't God that put you there, but it was your own choices. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through uh, 7. I want you to see something about this. Later on in Jeremiah 29 is where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I love Jeremiah 29, but before he even gets there, he kind of lays a prerequisite to getting those plans. Jeremiah 24, 29, verse 4 says, And the, the message came from God of the angels' armies, Israel's God, to all the exiles. Everyone say exiles. Now, I want you to understand, every one of us here is an exile. Now, I'm going to explain that in a moment. An exile is someone that's been taken from one land and placed into another. And the Bible calls us strangers and aliens. Other versions say that we are exiles. And so... The earth is not necessarily, we say that the earth isn't our home, that our home is heaven. But the reality is this, we were created in the mind of God, sent to dominate earth. But the reality is this world, talking about this world system, is not our home. We're an alien to the system of this world. When God comes, when Jesus comes back, he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. We're not going to be in heaven forever. We're going to come back to earth. And we're going to rule on earth. That's why you better get busy learning how to lead right now. Because you're not going to go to heaven, sit on a, on a cloud and play a harp all your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And he says this, to all the exiles I've taken from Jerusalem to Babylon, they were taken from the promised land into a captive land. And this is what his word is. Build houses, make yourselves at home, plant gardens, and eat what grows in that country. Marry and have children, and encourage your children to marry and have children so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. God's plan is never for you to waste away. God's plan is never for you just to survive or get by. Make yourselves at home there and work for that country's welfare. Come on, somebody. Pray for... Now, they're in Babylon. We're not in Babylon. We're in San Jose. Okay? So whatever city you're from, I want you to change that. Pray for... So wherever you're at, that's where you need to pray for. Why? Pray for San Jose's well-being. If things go well for San Jose... Things will go well for. Come on, somebody. Let's pray. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I'm not going to take long, I promise. And, uh, Upu, thank you so much. I appreciate, appreciate your help. You're looking fine this morning, man. Looking good. His wife back there clapping her hands. Oh, I'm sorry. She's not even clapping. You better clap, girl. Come on. See what's happening with Israel. Israel ends up in exile due to their disobedience, just like us. Many times we end up dwelling in places God never intended us to be. God did not create Babylon for Israel. God created Babylon for the Babylonian people, but they ended up being an instrument of judgment because of Israel's choices. Now, Babylon comes to Jerusalem, carries away the captives of Jerusalem and take them back to Babylon, which is about 1000 miles away from Jerusalem. And God allowed them to be taken captive because of their choices. Now, I need you to understand something very quickly. God's love does not cancel out God's truth. God's love does not cancel out God's truth. And we live in a day and age today where people think that the grace of God supersedes the truth of God. I don't know, man. First service is kind of flowing over into second service, Pastor Matt. But uh, l- listen, everyone just go like this, real quick. I just need to check that since I got back from vacation, y'all got a pulse? So I want to make sure y'all are alive right now, okay? So if, you, if you, you, there's no pulse, dial 911. Let's get you some help right now. But the reality is this the love of God does not cancel out the truth of God. God is, the Bible says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Likewise, God is love. And so God is 100% love and God is 100% truth. But God will not turn off his truth just to express his love. Nor will he turn off his love to express his truth. Because he is, he can't deny either one of those things. That's why there will come a point in our life if we turn our back on God, God must bring judgment or correction. Let me explain that. How many parents are in the house? Because I know some of you right now are just saying this. how, How can God bring judgment like that? I thought God was a God of love. If you're a parent, how many of you discipline your kids when they step out of line? How dare you? What's wrong with you? You're supposed to love your kids. How are you going to discipline your kids if you love them? How how are you going to, and I've seen your mom go off on you, so I, I know she disciplines you. No matter how big you are, your mom still will take you down. But a true parent will discipline their child and develop parameters by which they operate from for their protection, for their love, and for their development. And God loves you so much that he will not turn off his truth, but he will continue his love, and he will discipline you in love at times. Now, it's hard to understand when you're the recipient of that discipline. So they end up in exile. That word exile means to be removed from, to carry it away, or to depart from. It's the result of their choices. Now, notice, Israel was carried away, removed from their land of promise. There are some promises that God has for you that you do not have right now, not because God doesn't love you, but but because you were disobedient and he had to remove you from it. Now, God loves you so much that he wants to give you. Now, the land was still there. But they had to learn how to operate in that land. So God takes them to exile. And I want you to recognize something. Listen, we have all are exiles. The Bible says we're strangers, that we're pilgrims through this land here on earth. We've all been captive. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many have ever been captive before? You've got you because of your choices. You felt in bondage to depression, you felt in bondage to maybe alcohol, to drugs, or in bondage to a relationship, in bondage to debt, in bondage to low self esteem. We've all been captive, but to something. But I need you to understand every one of us in here has a responsibility. No matter where you're at, you still have a responsibility. No matter what you're going through, even if you're captive, you still have a responsibility for your life. No one can change your life but you. Every one of you is one choice away from a better life. No one else can change your life but you. Where you're at right now, you might not have gotten there by yourself, but you are responsible if you stay there. Every one of us. Is where we're at because we've chosen to be in that place today. But I have good news for you. Someone say good news. I have good news that even in exile, God had a plan for the children of Israel. Because later on in Jeremiah 29, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Now, notice he doesn't say I know the plan. Because I only have one plan. And so if you mess it up, you're in trouble. He says, I know the plans. See, how many of you have ever felt that you've destroyed the plan of God over your life because of your choices, decisions, your, your, the direction you've gone? That's someone in the back with their hands and feet up in the air. You know, because we all, we've all done, made choices at one time or another that have, we felt disqualified us. But do you know God loves you so much that he already factored in your mistakes? He already knew what you were going to do. He already knew the choices you were going to make. So God says, just like GPS, how many have GPS in your car or on your phone? How many have always done what GPS says to do? You never missed a turn. But when you miss a turn, what does GPS do? Recalibrate. It, it rerouting, there you go. It reroute, it reroutes you to, to where you're going. Why? Because it still knows what the destination is. It just has to now make a determination on how to get you there from where you're at right now. God's plans for you have never changed. God's plan is still the same. And even when you make a mistake, God still knows how to get you to where you're going. Come on, somebody say amen. Your place, your purpose, your God's plan over your life hasn't changed. Even you can't mess up your God's plans for your life. Come on, I, I, that blesses me. Because I've jacked some things up in my life. I've made some bad choices. I, I've made some bad turns. There are times I've ignored the GPS of the Holy Spirit. Turn here, uh-uh. I want to turn there. Go this, uh uh-uh, I'm not going that way. I don't feel like going that way. And there's times that you even have to turn off the GPS because you're tired of them telling you where to go. Come on, and you've done that. And so through alcohol, through drugs, through relationships, we do things to try to silence the voice of God in our life. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven. We're not... we're, that's why when we walk through this world, things trip us out. The, the world should bother you. When the world's ways don't bother you, you should be worried. Say it again, Pastor. When you just flow in, in in this world, this system, and it doesn't bother you, we got trouble. Luke nineteen tells us this, but he first gave his ten called his ten servants together and gave them a sum of money and. I want you to focus in not on the money you're being given, okay? Instruct them, operate with this until I return. Other version says this. It says, occupy until I come. Another version says, do business until I come. In other words, what God was saying, what Jesus was telling his disciples is this, is when I leave, I'm giving you resources, talents, abilities for you, and when I go, I want you to do business, I want you to handle business while I'm gone. I don't want you just to sit back and wait for me to show up. I don't want you just looking up in the clouds what Jesus is going to come someday and not get a job, not work, not develop your talent, not get better, not work at what you're doing. I want you to see that God has entrusted each and every one of us with something of value. Every one of you, I can start from the person in the front to the very person in the back. Every single one of you, from the youngest to the oldest, every one of you has something of value. Every one of you has a Resource. Every one of you has a talent. Every one of you has a gift. And just like this, this landowner, before he left, gave each of his workers about six months' worth of wages. He says, "This, I'm about to leave, but I'm entrusting you with this to do something with it while I'm gone." Jesus left, and he says, "Listen, listen." Listen, son, I, before I go, I'm going to give you something right now, and I'm going to trust you that when I get, come back, that you've doubled it, that you've tripled it, that, you, that you've done something with the gift. Just don't bury it. Just don't bury it. And some of you are sitting right now. You get up, go to work, come home, eat, go to bed, and you start the day over again, and that's all your life consists of. There's more to your life than that. Amen. You are created for more. Jeremiah twenty nine four says this. This is what he tells them: that when you're taken from Jerusalem to San Jose, build houses, make yourself at home, plant gardens, and eat what grows. Look at God's command. Two commands. Number one was what? Build. Number one's what? Build. build. And number two? Look at build. I want you to see what build means. Build literally talks to build, to establish, or to construct. When you build something, it wasn't there before. You're, you're establishing something. You're building something. Do you understand? That's why I love when people get married. Because you're not just starting a family. You're building a new people. Do you think? How do you think the Jewish people got here? Now, don't take offense to this. They weren't created. The nationality wasn't created. God chose Abraham. Abraham and Sarah had a child. And from those two people, the Hebrew nation was birthed. Are you following me? What, what I'm saying is this, is that you, you bring two people together, you have the possibility to start a new nation. God doesn't choose nations, he chooses people and he turns them into nations. God still can do the same thing today. He can take you, choose you, and turn you into a nation that will transform this world. So it says to build, to establish buildings. It also refers to building families, building careers, building hope. Listen, some of you, the greatest thing you're ever going to do is you're going to build families. You're going to build children. You're going to build your, 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 your surrounding. You're gonna, the, the children you have, that's your legacy. He goes on. God commands them to build. Then he says Planting. To plant means to plant or to drive in, like a nail, driving in a nail. Planting a garden, a vineyard, or a tree. Planting is always associated with harvesting or reaping, receiving. How, how many of you plant, go to the bank and deposit in your bank and expect no money to be there when you come back? Okay. How many of you have, how many of you have investments? retirements and things like that. How many of you put money in that, and then when you go back and find out that there's less that you put in, you're excited? It's like, it's all good. You expect something to be there. How many of you plant a seed in the ground and don't expect anything to come out? Now, I told you guys, I just started gardening, okay? And so... I plant all these things, and I'm out there every day watering these suckers. And we had some heat. We had some hot days that were out there. So sometimes if you didn't get out there, those things were going to shrivel up. And so I'm out there watering. Why? Because I'm expecting to get something from that bush when I'm done. I'm expecting the tomatoes, I'm expecting the carrots, I'm expecting the the corn, I'm expecting the squash, I'm expecting the grapes. I'm expecting a harvest from all the effort I put in. I had someone tell me one time, Pastor, I don't know why you guys do that declaration before you give. You should just give and not expect anything in return. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. How many of you plant a seed in the ground and don't expect anything to come from it? When you give, you expect something to come back. When you give, when you invest, everything in life you expect a return from. And just like gardening, he's telling them there, listen, don't just do your time. Invest your time. Don't just plant a seed. Go develop that garden. Eat from that garden. You have a right to expect something back from anything that you've invested from. You have a right to expect something back from your marriage. You have a right to expect something back from your job. You have a right to expect something back from your children when you are investing in them, when you're planting in them. Simply stated, don't just do time, maximize it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come help me real quick. Notice this. Then he tells them this. Marry, have children. Encourage your children to marry. Have children so that you will What? So you will thrive. How many know that God wants you to thrive? Not survive, thrive. And not waste away. See, I need you to understand, God expects us to thrive, not just survive. God expects you to thrive, not just survive. God expects you to excel. And I love what he says. Another version says this. I don't want you to lose value. He wants you to increase I want you to take a look at your life right now. Are you increasing or decreasing? Now, I know when we step on the scale, we want to decrease. Okay? But, but in all areas of life, we want, we should be increasing. Increasing. Your value should increase. In fact, for those of you that work in the life insurance industry and so forth, normally they say this. When you're young, you get a lot of insurance. When you're older, you get, you get less insurance because of the amount of uh, your, your, your liabilities are lower usually when you get older and so forth. Now, I don't know how true that is, but that's usually what they say. It's based on, on that kind of thing. They, what they're saying is that because your value should increase as you get older. As you get older, you're, you're, you should have more assets and less liabilities. I want to know are you growing? Are are you farther along this week than you were last week in Christ? Is your marriage stronger today than it was yesterday? If it's not, then you are decreasing, and God gives us a command to increase. In other words, don't lose value. Genesis 1:28 tells us what God said when he looked at man, he blessed them. He said, "Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth and take charge." I want you to understand that this is God's plan for your life. God wants you to prosper. It's God's plan for your life. At the very beginning, that's what he told Adam and Eve, "I want you to prosper." He blessed them, he didn't curse them. And some of you need to get out of your mind that you're cursed. You need to get out of their mind that you're messed up because God's first plan over mankind was a blessing, not a curse. You need to know that you're blessed by God. You need to know that God has plans for glory over your life, that God wants to bless you. God wants to maximize you. God wants to take you farther than you've ever thought about going before. I want to close with this where he says, and seek the peace and the prosperity Of the city which you've been carried to in exile. Because if the city prospers, you prosper. Let me just share this as I close. When I was a child, my dad was real big into camping with uh, a group of a ministry called Royal Rangers. And as a kid going to these camps and so forth, there was one thing my dad always instilled in me. When you go to a campsite, you always leave the campsite better than when you found it. If the campsite's dirty, when you leave, you make sure that campsite's clean. Always leave the campsite better than when you found it. That became a theme for my life in every area. No matter where I went, whether it was a restaurant, if it was to a a party, wherever I went, I always made sure I left things better than when I got there. And I've made that a principle of my life that if you meet me, listen carefully, if you meet me, I'm going to leave you better than when I met you. Because after we get done, whether it's one day or whether it's a lifetime, I'm going to make sure that your life is better because of me. I'm going to leave you better than when I found you. I'm going to leave you with hope. I'm going to leave you with the fact that you were created for glory. I'm going to instill into you something that God loves you. But before you leave, I'm going to leave you better than when I found you. Because we're here to make things better. In my years of growing up in church... I was scared to death of hell. Come on, anyone else know what I'm talking about? I wanted to go watch a movie as a little kid, and in those days, going to the movies was a sin. Now, we're not talking too long ago, because I'm not that old. Not like Pele. Okay, I'm not that old. But the reality is this, is that my mom used to say, if you go to the movies, Jesus isn't going to pick you up at the movies. DJ, you imagine the horror for a little kid? And it, the movie of all movies was Bambi. It was a party, it was a birthday party. I wanted to go with my friends. And so I'm sitting there, one eye on Bambi, one eye on the door. Thinking, if Jesus comes, I'm going to get left behind for this stinking deer. And so my whole life and my my childhood in church was all fear of God. Scared to death about hell. And hell was my motivation. The problem is this. Fear might bring you to the cross, but only love will keep you there. And, you know, I'm cool with scaring people into heaven. I'm just saying that's why we do the haunted house and puppet master I'm down I'll you know if that gets you in, into the door of heaven I'll, I'll get you there and then we'll introduce you to love to keep you there but the problem was is that my whole childhood and even into young adulthood it was all about fear of hell that kept me serving God that's not a good motivator It's not a good motivation to try to stay in a relationship. Fear is never a good thing that keeps you growing. And I need you to understand, Jesus didn't die on the cross just to keep you out of hell. He died on the cross so that you could maximize your abilities, your talents, and resources, and make your world better. The very fact that you were born... This world should be better because of you. You're not cursed. You're blessed. I said, you're not cursed. You're blessed. So, if the enemy can keep you just in survival mode, you're not going to be concerned about making a difference. But if you could break through beyond yourself, and we could start praying for our city and pray for our Babylon and recognize you're there at that, that elementary at that preschool to make a difference that you're in your city to make a difference, that you're in your community to make a difference, that you're in your your your, your area of, of work to make a difference, that wherever you're at, God has placed you there by design. You're not there by accident. God placed you where you're at for such a time as this. You are blessed, and you're carrying blessing to your job, carrying blessing to your work, carrying blessing to your school, carrying blessing to your family. When you walk in the door at home, the family should say, blessing is coming in. Not, oh no, dad's home blessing is coming in I need you to know you're blessed today somebody say blessed somebody say blessed I said somebody say blessed I said somebody say blessed Troy pay attention Troy I'm trying to get you to say blessed Troy can you help me say blessed for a second
0: I could have sworn this mic was on earlier but everybody say blessed 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 hands together everybody The field. We're blessed when we come and when we go, we cast down every struggle. the same poverty must cease, for the devil is defeated. We are blessed, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field. We're blessed when we come and when we go, we cast down every stronghold. Sickness and, and poverty. For, for the devil is defeated. Hey, we are blessed since Thou has walked uprightly as light in a dark land. Thou has placed in my heart all the Lord's commands. He set the information to cast my enemies away. He's standing up inside of you, so let me hear you say. I'm right, isolated right, right, late, late in, in the, the midnight, midnight hour Just gonna, gonna turn it around And around, and around, and around And around, and around Isolated late in the midnight hour, hour Just gonna, gonna turn it around Say it's gonna, it's gonna work in your faith when we come and when we go, we count down every strong sickness and poverty, for the devil is, for the devil is defeated, we are
1: on, just say this with me. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I might be in exile, but I'm blessed. I'm going to build. I'm going to plant. I'm going to establish. I'm going to transform my surroundings. I'm not going to be transformed by them. God sent me here on assignment. I'm here to make things better. I'm here to transform my environment. God sent me here to be a blessing, not to complain about my surroundings, but to change them. So I speak right now a breaking of every chain, of every bondage, to stop complaining about what you're going through and start transforming your situation. Start transforming. God is telling you right now, I got plans for your life, but it's now up to you to start building. It's time for you to start planning. It's time for you to start building. It's time for you to start planning. Stop complaining. Stop stop getting mad about what's going on and start transforming your surroundings. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.